And howdy, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And welcome to... And welcome to Sumo Kaboom! Sumo Kaboom! It's where we talk about all things sumo, but I'm in Dallas and you're in Amarillo. That's right, but we're still talking about sumo! We're going to talk a little bit about Miyogi-Do, but first I want to say it was so fun. We got to send bingo prizes to so many places across the globe. We sent prizes to California, Switzerland, Poland, Brazil, and Italy last week. I always what? get a big thrill sending Wait, say those prizes. again? Italy, Brazil, Poland, Switzerland, Poland? Switzerland, and California. How much was our international shipping on all of that? Jeez Louise. Well, that's why I, I definitely want to say thank you to our sponsors because you help us mail out prizes all across the globe. So thank you so much, Cole and Dan. Thank you to the anonymous people that send us a few bucks here and there. Thank you to Gabby, who is Ryan's wife, Ryan from the Grand Sumo yes. Breakdown, who, uh, who wrote a sweet note with her donation and said, hey, we stand by women creatives, especially in a male-dominated area. Y'all are so that sweet. that comes from a wife of someone in <laughs> Ryan in a grand single breakdown. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Uh, note uh, to Ryan, your wife has, has left you for us. <laughs> I bet she listens to both. Grand Sumo Breakdown. I bet she does. But that's so sweet. I love it. So thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Carl, who says that our podcast has helped him survive quarantine and that we've inspired him to travel to Japan where he hopes to visit a sumo stable and then go to a sumo match. Just thank you so much to the people who support us and allow us to kind of follow our dreams and our inspiration and send these cool prizes all over the world. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We should do a, like a PBS pledge drive where we just sing music and then people can just like donate. And then we da- we do a dance number and then people donate, you know, like the terrible PBS pledge drives. We can try that out with some exclusive content for our members. We can do a first video and see how it goes. And if it's popular, then we can turn it into a pledge drive. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work, but yeah, we'll think about it. <laughs> Sounds like fun anyway. All right, shall we jump to a news flash? Yeah, let's do. There's been quite a bit of news this last week, so I'll just give you a little sprinkling of uh, of what's going on in the sumo world. If some of you did not know, maybe some of you are Ichinojo fans, but Ichinojo, he acquired his Japanese nationality. So he, he is now officially going to be able to stay in Japan once he retires one day, um, hopefully not soon, and he will be able to join all of the other wrestlers in their post-career paths towards being an Oyakata or some sort of coach or working for the JSA. So looks like we'll have a lot more Ichinojo in our future as he is officially a Japanese citizen. Congratulations, Ichinojo. That's right. We got a lot of Ichi fans and yeah, I love we do. it. Yeah. Former Sekiwake Kotoyuki, he retired on October 2nd, and he had his official haircutting ceremony. It was uh, attended by like over 250 people. And of course, the last one to cut his hair was his Oyakata. And, you know, he had said, he had said that 
a lot of guys, when they got their, you know, their official, you know, haircut after the ceremony, they had all kinds of hair gel and, you know, they wanted it styled. And he was like, I just want a buzz cut. He wanted it all gone. <laughs> he just want he didn't want anything fancy with that hair gel. And it was also noted, it should be noted that he was praised highly for the shape of his head post haircut. So yeah, well, I'm going to have to take a closer look at Kota Yuki's head. (laughs) Is is there footage of this online? Can we see this haircutting ceremony? Yeah, of course. You can just go to, I always look at Nikon Sports, but yeah, you can see pictures for sure. And uh, I mean, all the heavy hitters were there. Ted Anafuji was there. I mean, like I said, 250 people helped cut his his hair. So it was, wow. a, it was a big deal. And it was also a big deal because it was a ceremony held at the Coca Geekon. And we haven't seen a lot of that happening because of coronavirus. So yeah, yeah. that was pretty cool. I feel like we should hoot or something. And and why just, did we hoot just for ho- oh for Kotoguki? Oh, okay, yeah, because let's he's give the it a hooter. hoot. Okay, three, two, one, hoot. <laughs> that didn't come out good, but hoot, that's okay. Hoot, hoot, just for you. Yeah. Well, you know, he retired back in April, so yeah. he has been assisting, coaching. So he's had a good while to get into the groove of being you know, a coach or assistant coach or, you know, so I, I'm sure he will have a big future ahead of him. And we are looking forward to that. Yes. But in respect for his entire career, I feel like we should all slap our bellies and give him one big hoot. Yes. So go ahead and do that at home, please. <laughs> <laughs> and and to wrap it up about Kota Yuki, he said that this is a new beginning, so he would like to teach as many young wrestlers as possible so that they can fulfill their dreams with a refreshing expression. I don't exactly know what that means, but oh. let's 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 hope he has that future of teaching the younger generations. Yeah, good for him. Speaking of retirements and the biggest of all time. Yeah. We had mentioned it last week, but it is official. October 1st, Hakaho officially retired and he had a news conference. He will become Magaki. That is his name for now until he will most likely take over the Miyagano stable after his coach, the Miyagano Oyakata, retires uh, upon, I think, being 65, which is coming up very soon. So he's just going to hang out as Magaki and his little blue jacket. You know, people like to talk uh, they, they people love to hate Hakaho a lot mm-hmm. of the people in the higher ups at the JSA I love the guy Me he's too. a rule breaker though but they don't like that and so the condition for him in this whole transition into retirement there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and a lot of discussion about what he can do in his retirement and there had even been talk about him not being able to officially take over the Miyagano stable for like 10 years or something stupid like that. And um, because he's always been criticized about his behavior, they just don't like the way he kind of does things his own way and doesn't ask other people permission. But he's the greatest of all time. He is the greatest ambassador Sumo Sumo has had in Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. So he kind of does what he wants. And they made him essentially sign a sheet of paper that said, you will follow all of the 
normal guidelines that any old wrestler has to follow the second he retires. You are no longer, you, you are not special. You must follow the guidelines that everybody else has to follow. And he signed it. And with that gave him back the possibility of taking over the Miyagano stable in a couple of years. But it was interesting to just, to see just how hard they were on him and his retirement and the acceptance of it and what he was going to be able to do. They want to control him and keep keep the reins. Is this signing of the paper, is that something that other wrestlers have to do when they retire or is this unique to Hakuho? I think it's unique to him. But then again, I don't know. I didn't read anything about the official rules. I mean, they may sign it, but it was talked about as if this was something unique and special for him as some sort of compromise for how they felt about him, a reminding of him that he can he can't just do exactly what he wants because he is Hakaho and he will have to play by the strict rules, which means he has been given the uh, a job in the JSA in his first year. He, he has been officially signed the duties of anything within the guidance and dissemination department, which is, I think, a department responsible for encouraging the teaching of kids and students the art of sumo or the sport of sumo. And it has a YouTube channel and it's gaining popularity. And it does make a lot of sense with Hakaho and the Hakaho Cup for kids. Mm -hmm. This is a great place for him to start. So he signed the papers. They're going to have him take over and, and work in that department and help develop young wrestlers and get them, you know, excited about sumo. And I think that's a great place for him to start. Yeah. He was rather emotional in the retirement press conference. Yeah. He, I mean, he said about his retirement, he was very nervous, but he's also full of relief. And he said that he wanted to study and do his absolute best as the master of a stable in the future with, with this feeling of gratitude. And he wants to just bring sumo to new disciples with kindness. And uh, so he had a lot of really good things to say, but you could tell, you know, and even his, his Oyakata was emotional. This is emotional too. This is difficult for everybody. Like we said, he's the greatest of all time and he's going into this next chapter in life and it's uncertain and it's going to be exciting, but it's, uh, he's been doing this since he's 15, mm-hmm. he's 36. So that's scary. Yeah, that's a big thing. And so I think it's going to be really wonderful what we're going to see from him in the future. Has a translated version of that press conference come out yet? Not that I've seen. Okay. Because I've really, I enjoyed watching that, but I really wanted to know what they were saying. And my Japanese is just not good enough yet to be able to follow along in Japanese. Mm -hmm. Um, So if anybody is out there and they can translate Please <laughs> help us find a translated version of that press conference. All right. Isegahama Oyakata, also known as former Yokozuna Asahi Fuji, had his official 60th birthday celebration and Kanreki Doyo Iri. And that is a ceremony in celebration of the longevity and endurance of a former Yokozuna's life and career. And it represents a new start. It's a Yokozuna doing his, a former Yokozuna doing his Doyo Iri, but this time with a red Yokozuna belt or and this, Tsuna. And this is the person that taught Terano Fuji his Doyo Iri, correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah. He's his Oyakata. And so he actually had his birthday on July 6th, but 
due to coronavirus, the ceremony was postponed till October 3rd. But the cool part about his doyoiri or kanreki doyoiri was his attendants were retired Yokozuna Haramafuji, who was one of his disciples as the sword bearer, and Ajigawa Oyakata, also known as Sekiwaki Amanishiki, as the dew sweeper. So Very cool. He, yeah, it was so cool to see. And you can see videos that uh, uh, of the ceremony. And he said, I'm going to read you a little bit from Nikon Sports, what he said about the ceremony and his new chapter of his life. He said, I'm happy because I felt that this was a goal that I'd like to achieve one day. He said he would like to make a new start with this chapter in his life. It was about two minutes and 10 seconds long. He said his muscles feel different and the rope is very, very heavy. And his body did not move as he expected. Even when he tried to raise his legs, he said he couldn't raise them. So he was struggling hard, but he said he he thought he was able to do it. And he was so glad he came here and uh, was able to do that. He said, actually, he had been training for this for a while now, and he had been lifting weights (laughs) Um, for for the last four years. He said he did not want to show his shabby body, which I thought was like hilarious, but, um, but he thought he worked his muscles to just the right, the right limit so that he could approach his doyo iri or kanreki doyo iri. So he does the shiranui type of doyo iri, which is Mm -hmm. what you'd see Tenna Fuji do. And, um, he has about four years left until he has to do the mandatory retirement. retirement. At yeah. yeah. But he said he, in the meantime, would like to produce one or two, two more Sekitori as a master until the end. And he will do his best for the association until then. And we'll continue to see him on the sidelines as a judge. So what a career that man has had. Yeah. What a career. Yokozuna become an Oyakata, a sideline judge for years have one of his students become a Yokozuna, then have his own Kanreki at retirement coming up soon in the next four-ish years. Man, what a career. But it does bring, you know, to light the fact that, you know, Hako is going to retire. And yes, he is considered the best of all time. But I understand why people are like, hey, you need to step in line just like everybody else. Because amongst the JSA, there are other former greats. Yeah, that's <laughs> and true. And they've been doing this for a really long time. Somebody like Isikahama Oyakata. So you kind of understand why they're like, things are done a certain way. You respect your elders and you jump in line. And then one day you'll be able to reach your 60th birthday and your Kanregi Doyoiri. And you can, you know, at that point, maybe make up your own rules. Wow. So that's all the news I've got. Well, that's cool. I can't wait to see that when I get back to some really good Wi-Fi. I'm going to pull that up and watch his Kanreki because I think that footage is beautiful. Uh, uh, to watch a body change throughout life and to see these men do that same ceremony with all the same reverence at 60 years of age and to see how their bodies have changed but are still capable of uh, holding that very heavy rope and going through that, I, I, I'm amazed by it every time I see it. It's just a different kind of honor that I offer them when I watch it in their age 60. It's just very cool. It's hard to describe, but it's very cool. Agreed. Agreed. 
So this week, I looked up our second place runner-up from the last Basha, which was Miyogiryu. And I'm going to do my best to say Miyogiryu. <laughs> yeah, but like, my personal opinion is we're joking about this because somebody gave us like a really hard time uh, about the way we pronounce Miyogiryu. And I'm going to say Miyogiryu. And here's why. I lived in Japan and I... Do not speak Japanese on the daily, but I do know that, like, I'm not that far off. I do not say Miyogadu. That's not right. <laughs> but I say Miyogadu. And I, in my mouth, it is an R-Y-U. Yeah. So there you go. But if you are that person uh, who does not like the way we pronounce Miyogadu, just go ahead and turn us off now because, you know, this may be as painful as you said it was on your ears. So go ahead and skip to next week and we will gladly have you as a listener next week. But this week... Might be a little painful, painful for you. Miyogiryu. I wanted to look up more about him because he's one of those guys. He's a veteran of sumo. He's been around for a long time. He's 34 years old. And I wanted to know more about him. So I thought, okay, let's do a deep dive into him. Miyogiryu was born in October of 86, October 22nd, actually. So his birthday's coming up. And his name, his birth name is Yasunari Miyamoto. He's from Takasago. And he reached the top division for the very first time in 2011. So 10 years okay. ago. He's, yeah, he's been around for a decade. So he has been around a very, very long he's time. He's a veteran. He has like, when you watch him, yeah. he seems like emotionally a veteran. He doesn't seem rattled. Win or yeah, lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just very calm. Cool as a cucumber, as they say. Yeah. My friend Carol loves Miyogadu. And I asked her why. I sent her a text. I was like, why do you like this guy so much? And she said, because of his balanced attitude. his uh, The way he approaches everything with that sort of balanced feel. And also, she mm -hmm. said his chest and his belly are absorbs. So yeah, that's the other I would agree. <laughs> Yeah, he has a really – he has great posture. I mean, he, he can really win does. posture com competitions if there is such a thing as a posture competition. He would be right <laughs> up there. Sumo, he would be winning it. <laughs> well, his highest rank to date is Sekewake. He's not a guy that's ever become Ozeki or Yokozuna, but he's definitely been in that Sekewake rank. And he has six special prizes to his name and also six Kinboshi. So he's done very well in his career. He's uh, six foot one, a little higher than that, six foot one and a half, 340 pounds. And, <laughs> did you um, say a little higher than that? Like, how I high did. are you? I'm 5'7". I'm 5'7", <laughs> a little bit higher than that. Taller? I, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's about five or six one high. That's about how high he is. <laughs> Ever since I started learning Japanese, they use the same word for tall or high. It's the same word. So now in English, I'm starting to use them interchangeably. <laughs> Oh, well, that makes sense then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a reason. There's a reason for my madness. <laughs> so six foot one and a half inches tall or high, 340 pounds. Okay, what I love about looking up these wrestlers is kind of, you know, you kind of look at the American websites, you go to the American Wikipedia, and, you know, you find out all the stuff about their their fighting career, maybe a little bit about their personal life. And then you go to the Japanese Wikipedia, and you get a whole new idea of who this person is. So I'm going to start with some of the Japanese Wikipedia stuff, because okay. this is... They give you good stuff. Uh, they, they're like, he really loves ramen, and his yes. blood, blood type is A positive, and, you know. 
That's the stuff I care about. The Japanese Wikipedia says that Miyokiryu was born into a family where they paint sheet metal for automobiles. I thought that was fascinating. So I thought because of our connection, uh, the internet goes out. I thought you said he comes from a family that paints sheep. And then I didn't. (laughs) Sheep (laughs) metal. I didn't hear the rest of it. And I was like, they paint sheep? What kind of job is that? All right. Sorry. I apologize. Sheet metal for automobiles, which oh. I think is interesting. So he's been around yeah, machinery and sheet metal from and mechanics. Uh, yeah, from a very, very early age. He was a healthy kid right at the beginning. In fact, he, according to this website, says it says that he rode a bike without training wheels when all the other kids were wearing training wheels. So from the very beginning, he was he's a had healthy excellent. kid. Excellent posture. balance and posture. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. This is the most postured child ever <laughs> in the history he, of the world. He Miyogi needs do. no training wheels. He needs no training wheels. And so his parents saw this and said, oh, let's let him be a bicycle racer. Which what? is perfect. Which is perfect. Zip, zip, zipping around the car shop, you know, on a bicycle with no training wheels. They were like, this kid's going to be a bicycle racer. So Miyogi-do said, oh, well, I'll think about that. You know, it's kind of interesting, maybe. And he decided he was just going to take a lot of lessons as a child. I guess when your parents have a painting sheet metal business, they have lots of income to then place their kid in a lot of different classes. And so he took lots of different classes. He went to wait, swimming wait. class. Wait, wait, he's like a rich kid from the sheet, he's a sheet metal um, heir? It says in this Wikipedia article that he took all these different lessons. So you just have to assume, okay, they're doing well enough to send their son to a lot of different lessons. So they've uh, got to so be doing well. Maybe Miyoguru is a rich kid. Maybe. There's always somebody in there that's like, oh, he's fancy kid. He's got all the cool gadgets and stuff. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just making it up in my mind that Yogaru is the rich kid. Perhaps. So as a kid, he took all these different classes. He went to swimming class and he was like, oh, that's okay. He went to gymnastics class and he thought, well, that's all right too. He went to judo class. He went to writing class. That's W-R-I-T-I-N-G, writing class. And he went to, get this, this is my favorite, abacus class which i Wait, didn't even there's know. a class for abacus i guess like, i'm okay see i'm glad you're you as fascinated as what i do you am do with an abacus in, I, like that's in a fun way i know so abacus in america <laughs> is just like one of those fun tools that you maybe learn a little bit of math on and then you set it aside after the age of maybe four, five, but I'm fascinated that there could be abacus classes in Japan. What would you be learning? I think the real story is that maybe he was such a handful of a child. His parents were like, just get him out of this sheet metal shop and just give him <laughs> something to do. Put him in all kinds of classes. Just get, he's, he's riding his bike all around the shop. He's knocking things over. Just get him in a class, Abaca class. Let's sign him up for the Abacus class. Isn't that, I just am fascinated. If anyone out there has taken an abacus class and can tell us what it's really about, please reach out and contact us because I would love to learn more about abacus and what is involved in an abacus class. Is the plural of abacus abacai? Abacai, abacai class? Like I, mean, if two I don't people- even remember. I, in my brain, I keep thinking it looks like a Connect Four game. What does an abacus look like? 
Yeah, it has the beads that sort of go across. It it it's kind of like there are yeah, strings it looks like that a go Connect across. Four game. A little bit, but there's beads <laughs> that you can move to side to side that help you count. Oh, okay. Yeah. But okay. I don't I don't remember beyond that, beyond counting what it's used for. Maybe Honestly, maybe there's like very advanced mathematics that you could be well, doing with an abacus that I just never was smart enough to get into. Well, no, I think I remember, and I also might be making this up because I have an active imagination, but some cultures held on to that as uh, it was to traditional, like giving change at like a, at a store or like a convenience store in the ye old days you would use that instead of a cash register to, you would, you know, bump the beads over. It's a calculator of your, right? Yes. Ye old calculator. Yes. Yeah. So I think, yeah, traditionally, especially in some place like Japan, who honors such old craftsmanship and folklore and just old crafts, it would make sense that they might still honor anyone using an abacus. But I'm still fascinated. Like, do they have a, a group of kids that sit down and do advanced math problems on the abacus for fun? I bet. I bet. Can you imagine a class like that ever flying in Texas, ever? Good Lord, no. Not for me. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> but maybe I have the complete wrong idea about what abacus class really is. I don't know. I love it. The more I think about it, the more I'm fascinated by abacus class. <laughs> I know. They just turn on music, let the kid, kids like dance around and then just do math. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> just so. play with beads and do math. <laughs> okay. So amidst all of these fascinating classes that he was taking as a kid, he encountered sumo in second grade and he won a festival tournament that was held at a nearby shrine won the tournament. Then he started to study sumo. He got fascinated by sumo. He won this little sumo, sumo tournament and he said, oh, I really want to study sumo. So he found a local sumo club. It was mainly for play. And uh, a year later, after he had been studying sumo for a year, he went back to the shrine for the next year's sumo tournament. This time he lost the title in the playoff, that's really, according to the Japanese Wikipedia, when he decided to devote himself to sumo in earnest in third grade. Wow. Determined third grader. Exactly. So he joined uh, elementary sumo club. He got to junior high. He went to a sumo event in junior high along with a school buddy of his, Gawedo. They both. Oh, good old Gawedo. Yeah. They both. Placed, they were in the same stable. They both placed at this tournament in junior high. Gawedo placed first. Mio Giryu placed second. And uh, in junior high, he went on to study sumo. He also studied track and field in junior high. Discus, shot put. He was doing all sorts of things again in junior high. Also in junior high, though, according to the Japanese Wikipedia, he got into fishing. He started to what? enjoy fishing and playing at the arcade instead. And this, this is where his kid life... kid could do everything. I know, but this is where his life took a turn in uh -oh. junior high. Did he, he get started, into drugs? Yeah, well, he started running in a bad group. I don't know how <sighs> bad. But according to Japanese Wikipedia, he, quote, played in school clothes until midnight. 
unquote. What? Midnight yes. until in midnight. school clothes? Yes. <laughs> Everyone knows you're supposed to be playing in your pajamas close to midnight. Sometimes he had fights with his friends and what? he got into a little bit of trouble. He was staying out late, going to the arcades and making some bad life choices this in junior is high. This just basic teenage angst, you know? Yeah. And, and Miyogaru is not, you know, immune. Everybody goes exactly. through that. Just, I you mean, know, have a normal not junior high time. Yeah, no, not everybody plays in their street clothes till midnight, though. That is unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. We brought you up to be a good abacus player. In you your will street not- clothes <laughs> at midnight? <laughs> So somewhere in high school, he says uh, he thought about becoming a truck driver, but his uh, parents really fell far off. I know, right? His parents encouraged him at this point to go the sumo route. So he he was very supported by his parents to go into the sumo world. I think they just thought, you know what? If this kid is not doing something physical and staying active, he is going to get himself into trouble. So sumo sounds really good. And, and, and he's also not responsible enough to take over the sheet metal empire well, that we have. So he's got to find something to do. Obviously, there was, there was no interest in painting or sheet metal. None at all. Like, that doesn't even pop up on Wikipedia or any why. of the other sites. I don't know why. I think that's very, very fascinating. <laughs> I do, too. Sheet metal. <laughs> So he went to college in 2008. He won a national sumo tournament and qualified to enter sumo as a Mukushta in the Mukushta division, I should say. And he did receive several invitations from different stables. And he chose Sakagawa. Sakagawa. Is that how you say it? Sakagawa? Yeah which is the place that Guedo had joined as well. So I think it's fair to say that he was probably pretty good friends with Goedo. They knew each other well in the sumo world, and he just decided to follow along Goedo. Yeah. He debuted very high. Makushta, 15, uh, found himself in professional sumo, was initially super surprised at how big the guys were, surprised by the fact that they tended not to put both fists down at the start, but he eventually pulled himself together. His scores in the beginning were 5-2, uh, like four tournaments in a row. He would win five and drop two. And so he kept climbing in the ranks. Uh, within four tournaments, he landed in Jurio in January 2010. Once he got to Jurio, he changed his name to Miyogiryu, which means Dragon of Many Skills. Well, and we know that because he has many skills. Abacus, one of them. Bicycle riding, two. Um, (laughs) Fishing. Riding, fishing. Arcade. Arcade. Yes. And playing in your clothes till midnight. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Okay, but he has an interesting story. The first time he got into Jurio, the first guy he wrestled was named Jumanji, which first of all, hilarious. No relation to the movie, but hilarious. That's amazing. Yes. I guess he came along before I was watching it again. And uh, I would love to have watched Jumanji. Wouldn't wrestle. you have cheered on a wrestler named Jumanji? Is it spelled exactly the same way? It's spelled J-U-M-O-N-J-I. Jumanji. Yeah. <laughs> Jumanji, not Jumanji. J- Jumanji. <laughs> totally it's a proper, proper British pronunciation of Jumanji. 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 <laughs> Anyway, the second guy he met in Jurio 
It's a more familiar name, Gagamaru. Yeah, Gagamaru. Yeah. yeah, big guy. And in this fight, he severely injured his knee. He ruptured his ACL of his left knee, and he had to drop out of the rest of the tournament. So imagine this. You get up to Jurio. You're so excited. You're finally getting paid. And your second fight, you pop your ACL. Oof. So he was out for the next three tournaments, and he ended up dropping lower than where he began to a lower division than where he came in. So he dropped to the bottom of San Domne. Isn't wow. that incredible? Yeah, but if anybody can make it back with such perfect posture, it's Mihogadu. Yes, and he did. Once he was cleared to fight again, he won 7-0, and and he just kept winning until he popped right back up to Jurio, where this time he posted an 11-4 record and All even right. won the division in a playoff. All right. Then he won the next Jurio championship, and arrived at the very top division in November of 2011. And he just kept rising from there. Uh, he went to Maigashira 5. He uh, kept rising. He got the technique prize. He spent the rest of 2012 just going higher and higher in the ranks all the way to Sekiwake, earning the technique prize in four out of five tournaments that year. So Whoa. the man was on fire. In 2012. Wow. In 2013, he fell from his Sekewaki rank to Maigashira 1, got a few Kimboshi, popped back up to Sekewake, and this pattern continued for several years, him performing really well, going up to Sekewake, getting injured, falling to Maigashira 1, or maybe a little bit lower than that, popping back up to Sekewake. His has been a story of injury. Some of which I had to look up. I mean, listen to this. Okay. I'm gonna just, which is crazy because, you know, he just has that one little band, I think, around his knees. But yeah. he does not look all bandaged and beat up like the rest of them do. He no, looks healthy. He doesn't. But when I looked up all of his injuries, okay, this is just from 2014 to 2019. Listen to this. 2014. Okay. Yeah. Remember, in 2011, when he first got up there, he ruptured his ACL, okay? Right. Then he went back up to the top. 2014, he had a right retroperitoneal hematoma, which I had to look up. I was like, a bruise where? It's basically, it's bleeding into the abdomen. Oh, ooh, From thank an you. abdominal or pelvic injury. Usually happens due to blunt trauma. Yeah, that, it sounds like he landed hard on his butt. Because you said his perineum, which is... Peritoneal. That, oh, oh. Peritoneal, <laughs> which is the, the lining of your abdomen. Okay, that's much different. <laughs> well, don't worry, because that's where my brain were, went to first. I was like, your peritoneum, like, how did he get bruised right down there? But that's why I looked it up, because I was like, I don't, peritoneum, I don't think perineum. that's right. I have to get my male anatomy right, but I thought that was that spot. It basically means that it was blunt trauma either to the back or to the pelvis or to the front of his abdomen. He, he that fell was, hard. He fell really, really hard. And it's life-threatening. It's like blood collects in your abdomen. So Ooh. he had that. He also Ooh. had um, a left retinal detachment. So his retina detached in 2014. He had to have surgery of his eye to deal with that. So oh, just, goodness. Ugh, those two in 2014. 2015, he majorly 
uh, injured his ankle. In 2016, he had surgery on that ankle. 2017, he had endoscopic surgery on his knee. 2018, he got married, and it was a very good year. He didn't have any injuries that year. But in 2019, his right leg, a muscle separated in his lower Ugh. leg. So he's just been a mess of injuries. But when he's not injured, he is absolutely Sanyaku material. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? It is incredible. And it's so interesting because once NHK started to show the highlights again, I missed prior to prior to that, I missed a lot of his rise and when he was dominant. So yeah, he's too. always been a veteran and I've always wanted more for him, but like, I just didn't get to watch him during those prime years earlier in 2012, yeah. 2013. So it's cool to know he was just that good and the, not that much of a surprise that he kicked so much ass in this last tournament. Yeah, exactly. When he first came in, he was really known for his ability to get super low and push forward. His ability to get lower than anyone else and push from that position was unparalleled when he first showed up. But unfortunately, that ability of his was diminished after that ACL injury when he showed up in Jurio. Anyway, he's still considered a very good pusher-thruster and I will say he's also he's known for his his weight training and his his science training and his supplements. He's got a more modern approach to sumo training, probably because of all the injuries that he's had to go through. He's super into going to the gym and taking all the right supplements and pushing a whole bunch of tires around the ring and flipping tires and doing all of these things that uh, science say you should do in order to strengthen the muscles around your knee and your back, et cetera. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've seen those tire flipping videos. And that yeah. may just go back to his childhood, you know, of being <gasps> in the shop with oh my sheet God. metal and, he, and, and all the tires, tires laying around. And he just started flipping them. Then he's still flipping them. Oh, that's brilliant. Can't you just see him being like, okay, I'm going to ride my bike. Oh, look, here's a tire. I'm going to flip this tire over. Look how strong I am. Little did we know 30 years later, he'd still be flipping tires. And kicking ass. Man, I did not know that he is as popular as he is with the female fans. Oh, over. I get 100%. I think he's a hottie. Did you know that female fans have a nickname for him? Oh, what is it? It's 22. Do you want to know what? why? I don't know, but I'm dying to know. It is in reference to his body fat percentage, which is one of the lowest in sumo and has been mentioned in several commercials, I guess. So that when you hear people call out, I guess in Japan, it would be uh, Nijuni. They're shouting out 22, 22. I wonder what mine is. People would be like, Niju go, Niju, <laughs> Niju cute. <laughs> Could you imagine people running around behind you shouting out your body fat index or... Well, it's, it's, it's quite a bit different. I mean, some sumo wrestlers have, you know, 40%. Like I think Kaisei's is like 40%, 39 or 40%. Mm -hmm. So his is really low in comparison okay. to a lot of sumo wrestlers. So I, I guess many women say, oh, he's got a more svelte figure. Like he's really sexy at 22. 22. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers. I yeah. like him. I like yeah. him too. Well, unfortunately he is married. He oh, married well. a girl from high school, a very oh. longtime friend of uh, 15 years. And 
when asked why he married her, he said, quote, rather than looks. <laughs> oh, oh, don't lead with that, Myogadu. <laughs> but he did start with that. He said, rather than looks, I was drawn to the sight of feeling that talk is striving towards the one. So she must be a great talker, a great conversationalist. I mean, I don't know how, how I feel about that. I'm sure I it came know. across in a sweet way. He must think she's beautiful. But he, what and he's saying is, is that, th- that after the looks, you, you have to love the person, all of the person, and be able to be one with them and talk with them and like be a friend. And so it can't just be about looks. That's what I'm going to interpret. <laughs> That's what I'm going to interpret, too. Instead of leading with, she, she's not that pretty, but we have great combo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in America, we might have started that a different way. Um, yeah. Or at least in the Collins family, we would hope that that would start a different way. But, That's true. Uh, but it's sweet. Yeah. And and if you look at her in picture, she is very lovely looking. She's beautiful. Oh. And they do and, have... And it a, doesn't even matter what she looks like. He loves her. That's ex- all that matters. Yes. And they do have at least one child together. Oh. He is blood type a, in case okay. you want to know, he is on Facebook, y'all, so you can find him and friend what? him. Yes, he is. And I'm really excited to tell you that I happened upon the Miyogidu fan club website, but it's partially his website. You can email him, you can read his blog, but more than anything, it tells you a lot about what's important to him. And it reads a lot like a dating profile. Amazing. Amazing. He says, according to his own website, that his strong points are, one, he's actually serious. Okay. Which <laughs> I think... I don't know if that would earn a right swipe <laughs> quite yet, but okay. <laughs> I just like the fact that he puts actually in front of serious like i'm not playing that i'm serious serious actually serious okay okay his second strong point strong commitment okay 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 yeah you like that yeah still not a right swipe but okay all right his third strong point is easy to get absorbed in what you like okay then that that makes it all about me okay i'd swipe right okay (laughs) but there's two more two more strong points for Act as soon as you come up with it. Hmm. And his his last strong point, strive to exceed the psychological limit. Oh. Which I can totally see. That totally fits in the sumo world. So he earns a swipe right for you? I think so. I mean, based on his pictures and his posture and just all that general, you know, good stuff. I, I think he's yeah. a good nut. I think he's a good guy. You think you could date someone who is actually serious? Well, <laughs> it, Depends. <laughs> you know, opposites attract, and I'm That's very true. much not serious. So he might enjoy my not seriousness, and I might appreciate being grounded by someone so serious. But the truth is, I would be a mistress, and I would not feel comfortable with that because he's oh. married and he's got kids. So that's right. That's right. I I don't do that. That's right. Okay, so let me tell you about his disadvantages. Oh, he told he, you, he tells you his, yeah, he's got strong points and disadvantages. So I, his I kind disadvantages. Of wish more dating profiles actually had. <laughs> These are my faults, but at least you know them up top. You know, at least you know like them up prone top. to heavy drinking. Uh, <laughs> that would be really important. Snores, snores yeah. loudly. But his disadvantage is think too much. Uh, well. We're all a little guilty of that, overthinking. (laughs) 
Myogiryu also has what's called inscriptions on the right on his website. And I think these are these are like uh, ways that he lives his life or maybe mantras that he believes in. And these mm-hmm. are just as good. The first one is hardship is the gate of happiness. Okay. Yeah, you got to work hard to get what you want. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The next one is belief slash effort slash continuation. Is what? That's just it? That's just, that's just it. These are like deep thinking. These are like deep thoughts by Neil Gideon. He slashed those? They're just yes. like effort belief. slash continuation? Yep. Yeah, slash belief, belief slash effort slash continuation. Okay, not sure if I understand that, but okay. <laughs> Maybe it's just a punctuation that's throwing me off. Or this one. This is his last one. Inexhaustible freedom lies in the inconvenience of struggling. That's a little too heady for me. I'm like, what are you trying to say? Inex- I, it's very deep. It's very deep. freedom. It, I'm not sure I agree. Lies in the yeah. inconvenience of struggling. But I can see how a sumo wrestler a su- yeah, would say that. Yeah, a sumo that. wrestler, they all It's all about struggle. Suffer. Yeah. I would, I would think more inexhaustible freedom lies in a warm bath or something like that. That's more along my lines yeah. rather than the inconvenience of struggling. So it tells you a lot about him. Just as a side note, I did find an adorable video on YouTube from this. Uh, it's on the kids YouTuber channel called, I think her name is Aori channel, A-O-R-I. It's a little girl who looks like she's about nine years old mm-hmm. who is at a sumo tour and she's interviewing all these sumo wrestlers and she does an amazing job. She's got this little fake pink microphone and a diary <laughs> with questions. And it's so cute because she sits down next to Chiono Kuni and Abi and Yutakayama and Miyogiryu and interviews them. And I have to say, Miyogiryu is so very, serious about the entire thing you could see you could absolutely see his strong commitment to the interview process with this nine-year-old he he takes every question as if it is life and death oh that's funny it it is really really sweet whereas Avi's kind of like giggling and smiling throughout it all he definitely answers her but you could see you know he he's getting a kick out of this but and he does say he is genuinely Actually serious. Actually (laughs) serious. That gives you a little bit of an idea of who this guy is. I never happened across the commercial that mentions his body fat composition of 22, but I know it's out there. And if someone else finds it, please send it along because I really would like to see this commercial that somehow references his body fat composition. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you for that deep dive into Miyogiru because I do also feel like I know a lot more about the guy and I've always liked him, but he's multifaceted Yeah, from sheet metal to being very serious. He, a lot in between. <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys and gals for your support. We are here for you. If you have any other ideas of stories you'd like to hear, please reach out. Let us know. You can always email us, reach out on any of our socials. Oh, you know what we haven't announced yet? What? We haven't announced that we're going to be in Vegas in December. Oh, for ho, ho, ho. the uh, 
the World Sumo Qualifiers. I'm actually not sure the official title of the meet. Do you know it? It's just the U.S. Sumo Nationals in uh, in Vegas. It's the definite qualifier for the World Sumo event. And we're going to be there with the Grand Sumo Breakdown guys. And we're going to be ringside and we're going to be doing some commentary for uh, their live online audience. So we're really excited to go to Vegas. I spent uh, two weeks in the middle of July uh, doing a show in Vegas. And I have to say, it wasn't my favorite town in July, but I'm looking forward to December. I feel like December, like Vegas is going to become my favorite town. Yeah, it was a little re- bit too hot for this. Hot believe it or not, Texas girl, it is so hot. It is so yeah. hot. But we'll be excited come December to uh, to bring you all the live stream from that really exciting event. That is it. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for the support, and we will be back at you next week. All right. See y'all later. Sayonara. Bye. Bye. Bye.